Talking the Law, episode number 13. I'm straight with you. Uh, special, special pod this week, Corey. Uh, Masters weekend coming up. How you doing, my man? Dude, I am stoked. Uh, this is – I heard somebody talking about this the other day, but I think that if you took my favorite sporting events um, and we, we could uh, – oh, we should have – poor preparation on our part. We should have had – five this has been a great opportunity for a stereotypical sporting uh radio top five but uh i think if you took we'll wait till we'll wait till uh wait till a football off season or something where we can there we go go. dead season dead season we'll go top five but i think if you took my top five even top three i think the masters would have to be in it um and uh unfortunately i'm going to be on call on sunday so if anyone is listening to this who is going to be working at the hospital on sunday if you talk to me about the Masters on Sunday, I'm going to knock you the hell out because no, I'm recording it and I don't want to hear. Uh, and also, as we're going to get into today, uh, we're going to have a lot of action on it. So uh, it's uh, you know kind of the episode of the M's today. We're having a mini episode, Masters, Maction, uh, and Massacre about all the games that are getting canceled. Oh, um, and so uh, we'll, we'll unfortunately have to get into that. But, um, you know, the uh, the good thing is, is that – as long as you go before 10 p.m., Tom, I can tell you one thing that's not going to be canceled, and that's going to be the Blizzard machine at Dairy Queen. Uh, <laughs> there's another company that starts with an M that is very familiar to all of us where the ice cream machine is always broken, uh, but you can always count on Dairy Queen, uh, Old Reliable. They're going to have the Blizzards. They're going to have the flamethrower burgers, dipped cones, hot dogs, uh, total Americana food, whatever you need. Uh, it's Masters weekend. Get over to Dairy Queen. They've got the new fall menu pick up a uh, pumpkin cheesecake blizzard and uh, tear it up while you're listening to Jim Nance and that soothing voice and the fall colors. It's going to be unbelievable this weekend. So uh, proud to bring you our uh, title sponsor, Dairy Queen, bringing you our most requested and most popular segment, Grill It or Chill It. I'll let you bat lead off here, Tom. Uh, I got it. And I kind of saw this uh, saw this yesterday as I'm watching uh, – as I did a deep dive into Buffalo and Miami of Ohio in the in Maction last night, uh, and we'll we'll talk more about Maction here shortly. But scrolling across the bottom of the of the, the screen was the uh, notion of what these colleges, as you, as everybody knows, they're going to lose a lot of revenue this week, or excuse me, this year, and now it's going to leak over into basketball season where you have these basketball schools, especially like Duke. Duke, for instance, is not allowing any fans at their sporting events. Continue, they're continuing to do that. So. Uh, and you're going to have limited crowds in basketball, which we're going to have a lot of schools. And you, you know the Blue Bloods in basketball, like Kansas, who has zero fans. Even if we had a regular season at, at uh, football games, they're going to have a packed house for basketball games where Kansas have limited fans. Um, but they're talking about revenue loss. And if you look at if you look at what the CDC comes out about the coronavirus and the effects it has on young people and the revenue that these schools are going to lose – my, it's it's kind of cynical, but you know I thought how uh, these these presidents make some big time money, these ads make some big time money, the coaches make some big time money. Do you uh, are you grilling or chilling that uh, in order to uh, not lose as much revenue? Uh, basically, I'm trying to I'm trying to get the point across. Do you think that presidents would allow packed houses, uh, full ticket sales, even during a pandemic? Um, to make sure they don't lose all that revenue. Because you look at, I mean, the college football landscape, and you've had so many schools lose so much money and people taking pay cuts. Uh, I guess my griller chill is, are you grilling or chilling 
that uh, presidents would sacrifice uh, coronavirus in order to um, keep their revenue up? Uh, I think that there's a gigantic caveat in that argument, which is um, public perception. So I think that, I guess what you're asking is if it weren't for public perception and if it weren't for the blowback they would receive, would they sell tickets and pack a house to make the money that they're losing even during a pandemic? And if yes. you're asking me that, my answer is 100%. I'm going to grill it. Yes. Because I think that if you look around the country, right, it, it's like I'm not going to sit here and say that every decision that gets made about where they can and can't have fans and where they – you know, and all this stuff, I'm not going to sit here and say it's all political because that would, that would be the ultimate Senate comment to assume that nobody has anybody's best interest at heart. And I refuse to believe that. I'm at least that much of an optimist to believe that nobody cares if anybody dies, right? Yeah. <laughs> I at least think that one person cares if one person dies. Yeah. But, you know, or gets sick. But realistically, it's like if you just look at the science of it, I don't know that, like, I mean, look at Notre Dame. Like, 35,000 kids stormed the field and maybe in two weeks we're going to find out that like 500 kids got hospitalized from it. But the odds are, if you look at how, who's getting sick and how sick they're getting, the odds are there's not going to be a whole lot of consequences from all those kids rushing the field. Right. And so, and maybe that was only for an hour and then you talk about a five hour football game, whatever. I won't get into the semantics of that. But if you look at it, it's, it's really just, everybody's just kind of doing whatever the talking heads and the politicians and these quote unquote science people associated with the CDC and each state health department are telling them to do. Right. Because if all president universities really cared that much, then you wouldn't have Texas A&M putting 75,000 people on a stadium. Whereas in the state of Washington, if they ever play a game, there will be never be a fan there this season, yeah. maybe not even next season they're talking about. Yeah. And so you know, to answer your question of would they be willing to potentially sacrifice people's health to make money? A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I, especially being here in the South, and I would definitely see fan bases. I mean, just to take Alabama, for instance, I, there's a 100% chance if it wasn't – if there was 100,000 people allowed to go to Bryant-Denny Stadium, they'd still get 100,000 people at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Yep. They'd find a way. They'd find a way. So, uh, I just thought it was interesting because I know that – Public perception takes is is a big thing when uh, you're shutting down these these arenas and stuff for people to go see. So that's that's my I, and hey, m money is money, and we're all they're always trying to make it, especially with these big contracts these coaches have and these ads have and the, the salaries presidents get. I know it's going to be a hit to their their personal lives. I mean, their the way they live their lives. So I know deep down they really hate hate doing it, but yeah, I think we'll. We'll see here down the road. It'll be interesting to see how that carries over the winter. Yeah, uh, I got a quick one for you. Uh, so this is kind of going to uh, segue into one of our, our, our big segment. Obviously, we're here, uh, special edition for the Masters. So um, here's what I'm saying. Are you grilling or chilling that all this hype lives, that, that the, the outcome lives up to the hype of all this Bryson DeChambeau talk? Right, because they're like they're posting yardages from his practice rounds. They're talking about, oh, he's hitting sandwich into thirteen, and he's going to drive number one. And Jack Nicholas said, I think he can drive the first green. And then he said, oh, maybe if it's hot and you know forty two point six dew point or whatever, he you know BS he's slinging. But 
I just want to know, are you grilling or chilling that at the end of the week, we're going to look back and we're going to be like, wow, that really lived up to all the hype that people built up about him bashing the hell out of the ball. I think we're, I think chilling that because I think it's, I still think the Masters are going to draw a big crowd. Uh, but I think they're also trying to pull viewers in, especially during it's a, in, you're looking normally it's going to be in the springtime and you're the Masters are by itself on a weekend, but now you're, you're the Masters is competing this weekend with a lot. Uh, sure, football, college football has lost its luster, uh, but you're going to have those those golf people who are all going to going to turn into the Masters, no matter what. Uh, but I also think they could be trying to fuel the fire, saying, getting people saying, "Wow, this guy's crushing the ball. He is, I mean, <laughs> grip it or rip it style, which is what most of us do if we ever go play golf, mm-hmm. just trying to hit as far as possible. And it could be something where they're trying to pull people in, saying, "Hey, come watch this guy get after it on the Masters." Um, but I think it's also the fact they they know they're competing with college football on Saturday, which college football is college football, and people are going to want to tune to that no matter what. And then NFL on Sunday. So that's, that's a lot for the Masters to go up against uh, this weekend compared to what they normally go up against when it's a normal, normal tournament during the spring. Yeah, I, I will say this. I think that um, – and I don't want to give too much away because I'm trying to save my, uh, my, my punchline – uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna grill it. Is gonna live up to the hype. Um, I got a little bit of a different view on why it's gonna live up to the hype, but I'll save that for later in the episode. Um, and uh, and we'll we'll get to that once we get there. Nice little teaser. Um, nice little teaser. But, uh, yeah. So so stay tuned for the uh, stay tuned for the take on Bryson DeChambeau. As I know that that's kind of anybody who's listening for a uh, for a tip on. Masters, uh, I'll give my take and, and you'll give yours, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about Bryson. Um, but, you know, they're saying that he's going to put a 48-inch driver uh, in the bag and he's going to absolutely uh, murder the ball. Um, well, let me tell you what's getting murdered first, and that's the SEC slate on Saturday. Uh, <laughs> it's Ugh. getting absolutely decimated. Um, do you have an update on what games have been canceled? Definitely for uh, Definitely been canceled for Saturday. Let's see. We got Alabama LSU. Uh, we got Auburn, Mississippi State. Uh, we got Georgia, Missouri, and we got A and M and Tennessee. So now you're you're looking at the SEC slate. Here we are. SEC slate for Saturday is this. Uh, let's see, Florida, Arkansas, which is which is obviously is the best game of the weekend, which is really saying a whole lot. In SEC. I, seriously, Florida, Arkansas, and then you have South Carolina, Ole Miss, and then the barn burner, Vanderbilt. Versus Kentucky. So, <laughs> if you want to talk which, about uh, your... Stay tuned for our regular episode. I got a take on that one. Oh, uh, now we're talking. They should, they should move that game in the Alabama LSU slot and just say, hey, look at our – look at this dumpster oh, fire we got going oh, on. Oh, man. Um, it's just been – it's it's been wild here because you hear a lot of different people talking about, well, how this happened, how this happened. And I think you have a lot of factors going into these mass cancellations here, especially the SEC. Because at the beginning of the year, you had a lot of coaches come out and say they had players test positive. And then you have that 90-day rule where once they test positive and they, they're they clear, then they don't have to be tested for 90 days. And that 90 days kind of looks like it's it's running out, especially this week. Um, you So you have that incorporated with the bye weeks and you have kids going home and you have parties and – we were me and you both played college football. We we're both college kids, and you know, I mean, Halloween's Halloween. Wherever you go to school, 
Uh, there's always something going on. And so the, the one that's come out is LSU gets their brains beat in by Auburn. And, I mean, we got our brains beat in by Florida State. And we just figured, hey, we'll just get home and enjoy ourselves and forget about football for a get little after bit. Get after it, buddy. I'm, that's I'm right. sure that's kind of what LSU did. LSU gets their brains beat in by Auburn, gets the back to Baton Rouge. Uh, it's 8 p.m. or whatever. And, hey, it's Halloween. Let's go do something. So, I think that's kind of it. Along those lines, you have – and I think this is kind of what's different in SEC compared to other conferences where SEC is – it's not complete yet where it's not – we don't know who's going to be a championship. But we're leaning towards it's going to be Alabama and Florida, more than likely. So, you're looking at teams like – okay, so let's take, for instance, LSU. They're out of the hunt. They're, they're having a very lackluster season compared to last year. What kid's going to want to be stuck in a bubble trying to play to go to the Independence Bowl and play Army? I mean, yep. it's just one of those things. I mean, you look at look around the league, and I think you're going to have issues like that. Same with Tennessee. Tennessee's kind of falling off. And um, now I just came out, they had zero positive cases. But I just, that's just another instance where you have – and I'd be shocked if you don't see this kind of go around. Um, SEC is going to probably get hit with it. ACC, you have two teams who are kind of top. Um, and then out west, it's a mess, so we're not going to jump into that. And then you have the Big Ten. Big Ten's Ohio State. I'd be interested to see if you have some teams – some more basketball schools than not who are kind of football players saying, ah, oh, we're 0-4, we're whatever. Like Penn State. Penn State's had a terrible season. You think Penn State's going to kind of uh, see here some issues coming out of Penn State here shortly? I could see it. Uh, the one who is interesting, which kind of plays for the, for the Doc and the Law road trip, uh, is the Big 12. Um, because now the Big 12 is almost out of the playoff contention. I mean, unless something crazy happens, I think the Big 12 is out. But you have a lot of teams who are still fighting to go to Dallas to play in the Big 12 championship. There's about six teams that can still make it. So you have, which which bodes for us, because we're planning our trip to go see the Cyclones of Iowa State, because uh, Iowa State's always driving, trying to cover at the end of the fourth quarter. So it's, it's, it's electric uh, in Ames. So there you go. Uh, but – so you have Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas State, and West Virginia. So that's six teams out of the Big 12 who actually have a shot to make it to the Big 12 championship. Now, I wonder what's going to happen here because a lot of them are off this week because I looked at the schedule. Um, but you got some games here in the next two, three weeks where you, they're kind of elimination type S games. So if the Big 12 starts having issues where, let's just say, for instance, Kansas State loses. Let's just take Iowa State, for instance. In two week, next week, Iowa State plays Kansas State. Let's just say Kansas State gets beat by Iowa State. Kansas State's virtually out of the running to make the Big 12 championship. Do you see issues in Manhattan, Kansas? And you could look around the Big 12 up and down and say, hey, these kind of eliminations. So do you see towards the end of the year where you have kind of this coronavirus issue where teams mail it in saying, nah, we're out of the Big 12 race. Uh, we're going to go out and have fun with our friends. So I wonder if that's – um, that's a great that point. League to league, so it look, bodes well for us as long as Cyclones keep winning and maybe West Virginia hangs on. We're, we we may get <laughs> we may get our trip to to Ames here at the beginning of December. But um, I think it's just something you have to look at and um, take it league by league and see where these teams are and see who's kind of mailed it in and ready to move on to the next season. Yep, and I think this year more than ever because I you know I heard a great line yesterday. Somebody said. Uh, this year is not about fairness, right? This year is about getting it done and getting all the games played. And so with the NFL, with college, all this stuff, like it, it's not necessarily fair. But the, what we do have to take into account is 
and even when we're capping some of these games late in the year, you're right, man. Like some of these teams are just going to be like, screw it. This sucks. Like we're, we don't have a chance. We didn't have a chance from the time the year started or, Hey, we had to maybe concede a game late in the year because we had a positive test or whatever the case. Um, but definitely something to keep in, uh, keep in mind. So it's early in the week, but so far Alabama, LSU, Texas A&M, Tennessee, Auburn, Mississippi State, Memphis Navy, Louisiana Monroe, Arkansas State, which I was looking forward to hammering the Red Wolves this week. Um, but that, those all those games have been canceled. However, props to UTEP and UAB Dude, who figured it out <laughs> because they're going to go 300 miles from El Paso because apparently all the illegal aliens pouring over the border all have COVID. They're going to go 300 miles away and play at a high school stadium, which that better be on TV because oh, no, you know, you know they they moved it so it's next Friday, so it's like the Friday before Thanksgiving, but it's like it's a Friday morning game. So so it's remember like you sitting there and it's kind of like NCAA like conference chip basketball tournaments where you have oh, these yeah. lower lower divisions. They're starting tip offs at 10 p.m. or excuse oh, me, 10 yeah. a.m. and you're at work and you're like, you know what? Let's get some action going. So we're sitting Friday <laughs> Friday this Friday job. Friday morning. UAB, next Friday morning, we'll have a pod up for that. UAB takes on UTEP in Midland, Texas, which if if you need to go look at a high school stadium, go check out that high school stadium. It is unreal. Well, uh, if if we're always hunting for action, uh, Tom, the only thing better than uh, mid-morning action is midweek maction. Uh, and, buddy, we got a steady dose of it last night um, with uh, – Oh, my gosh, I'm going blank. Oh, Kent State absolutely beating the hell out of Bowling Green in a game where nobody could play defense, where I had the under. Nice. Uh, we also got a miracle under uh, in a game where Buffalo beat the crap out of what was supposed to be the contender in the MAC uh, East with uh, Miami, Ohio. I don't want to talk about that under. That was awful. <laughs> I had the under. You, I mean, I had the over. You had the under. Oh, I had the under, yeah. And then uh, and then we also had the first game, which was one of the worst college football games I've ever seen. Uh, where Ohio hung on to beat at the Akron Zips. I think both those teams are terrible. Both of them are, are fade, uh, automatic fade buttons the rest of the year. Um, but curious your thoughts on Maction tonight. We got the Michigan trio. Uh, we got Eastern Michigan, who is going to be going to take on Ball State, who is on my personal list after they absolutely screwed me uh, out of about 10 units last week. Uh, we also have uh, Central Michigan, who pulled out a big win last week. Uh, they're going to be uh, going to NIU who did not look good last week. Uh, and then uh, probably the biggest game of the night, Toledo taking on Western Michigan. They are the co-contenders for the Mac West Championship. Uh, both got wins last week. So any thoughts on these sides or totals? I will say this about Maction and how great is it? It's midweek. I don't know if this is maybe because we're so invested on the weekends um, in a thousand different things, but I have watched more Mac football past two weeks, like I think I've watched every game or had a, had a piece of action in every game. So we talked about last week, good teams and bad teams. Um, so I kind of, which is crazy, I kind of got a decent feel for who is good in the MAC and who is not very good. So, um, I mean, especially last night, I, I saw Kent State. I watched the Kent State game two weeks ago when they played uh, – crap, that's going to drive me nuts. But anyway, I had Kent State and they covered. Uh, two weeks ago. And so I knew Kent State was a good team. And I also had Bowling Green uh, two weeks ago, and I knew Bowling Green was awful. So without I me, mean, the second I saw that line pop up, I was like, Kent State, give it to me. So um, I've watched more Mac here late, lately. Uh, midweek football, man, you can't beat it. Uh, so we know who's good. We know who's bad in the Mac. We know that Akron's bad. We know that Bowling Green is really bad. 
good team. But do we though? Because do we know if Ball State is bad? See, that's because that's so where I, that's where I'm kinda, looking for action tonight. You kind of you kind of sit there. I think you have you have a really a bad tier, and you know those two teams are bad. I think middle of the pack. Uh, I want to say Miami of Ohio is middle of the pack. I want to say Ball State's <laughs> that crap from last week, man. With Ball State, I know we were both on Ball State. That was awful. Uh, I think I think Central Michigan's a decent team. Ohio, I have no idea because they let because Akron covered last night. Uh, it's a lot of middle of the pack. I think Buffalo is a good team. I think Toledo's a good team, and I think Kent State's a good team. So I think it's going to be interesting down the road because they just play. A, they're playing a six game schedule to see if you can get a grip on who is good and who is bad and who's kind of uh, going to be someone you want to lay your hard earned harder money on uh tonight wise i know we ball state burned us last week uh, i think i'm gonna go to the ball state well again i think ball state's got some got some things going but their quarterback play was god awful last week and for some reason miami of ohio finds a way to cover they always or cover and get the win it just seems like miami of ohio is always winning football games they shouldn't win um, Central Michigan going to NIU. I think Central Michigan's got a pretty good squad. Uh, NIU last week uh, did not play good football at all against Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo got the cover last week. Buffalo won 49-30 against NIU. Uh, I think Central Michigan uh, Central Michigan should win the game, but I could see NIU being a home, t- home dog catching points. We all know, how that, know that slogan. Uh, so – NIU may be a play. I think Central Michigan is the win. NIU may be the actual the cover because it's sitting at seven and a half right now. Um, but Central Michigan, I think Central Michigan, Ball State, and Western Michigan in the money line parlay might be uh, might be a good play. Uh, but like you said, the night game, Toledo versus Western Michigan, I think that's the best matchup of the week for the MAC. Um, right now, Western Michigan is a two and a half point favorite. Uh, like what like what the Broncos are doing. Uh, Toledo's got a good squad too. Uh, I think they could be. This could be a first half. I know we've hit what we've hit had one under, no, two under games in the MAC in in what ten ten games almost. Um, I think uh, this game could be more of a fill it out process for each team because I think they're both good football teams. Uh, but I think towards the end, Western Michigan, uh, even though they're not having fans, I think the home team being at home means a lot more. Uh, routine-wise and whatnot. So, Western Michigan, uh, I think right now at two-and-a-half is the, is the move there. If it gets to three, three-and-a-half, maybe grab the Rockets of Toledo. Uh, but that's what I'll be looking for for the Mac. I love love that money line parlay, though. I think Ball State comes out. Eastern Michigan is not very good, in my opinion. I think Ball State comes out and gets it done. Central Michigan has a good squad. Uh, McElwain, I think his third year up there, third, fourth year. I think he's got a good squad up there for the MAC, and then uh, Western Michigan's been one of the, the top tier teams in the MAC for the past few years. Them and Buffalo is trying to work their way back to the championship game. So uh, I think that's your going to be a good look here with the money line parlay with those three. Yeah, I, I don't mind the money line parlay. I'm going to actually differ with you on the cover here with Ball State. I'm going to play a little bit of a dangerous game with the transitive property, where you say, "Well, if this happened, then this happened, then this should happen." Uh, so Ball State lost to Miami High. I think Miami Ohio is dreadful. Uh, maybe they maybe they got kind of lucky with their quarterback going down and their backup came in and balled last week, and then he played terribly last night. Um, but Miami Ohio got drummed by Buffalo last night, whereas Kent State, who drummed uh, Bowling Green last night, Eastern Michigan had a chance to win that game in the fourth quarter uh, on the road at Kent State, only lost 27-23. I really don't understand why they're laying nine, and the public is steaming up Ball State because because I guess I don't actually know why the public's steaming up Ball State. 
but we made this line's gone from seven and a half to nine. Um, and so I feel like seven and a half is a little bit of a, a, a dead number kind of like, I feel like they're almost tricking you into take Eastern Michigan, but if the public's going to jump on ball state and run with it, uh, I'm actually going to go with Eastern Michigan. So I'm going to look for 10. I don't know if I'll lay nine, but I'm going to be looking to lay 10 with Eastern Michigan. I also like the over in this game at uh, 59 and a half. It's up to 60 now. Um, I, I also like, uh, Central Michigan to win the game. But, again, the same vein, maybe just because I'm hoping for close games, uh, I kind of like Northern Illinois to get in the back door here. The only reason I say that is, again, if you play the transitive property, Central Michigan barely beat Ohio last week. Ohio looked terrible against Akron last yeah, night. Yeah. Their defense looked terrible. They could not move the ball. Their field goal kicker in classic <laughs> Maxim fashion. They're up by seven. They get the ball inside the 20 twice. They kick a field goal, and he misses two field goals inside the 20. That would have probably got him in cover territory. I mean, my God, this league is so bad. It's, it's unbelievably it's fun. It's beautiful. <laughs> uh, but I don't know if – touch the total. It's kind of drifting towards the under. But I, I do like Northern Illinois. They're, they're catching eight. Um, and then Western Michigan, uh, I'm probably going to lay two and a half of Western Michigan. Uh, apparently, there's going to be some wind uh, in whatever city Western Michigan's in tonight. Um, Kalamazoo. 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 <laughs> uh, and uh, so, uh, total's kind of moving towards the under. Um, so, what I'm thinking is maybe an Eastern Michigan, Northern Illinois teaser, because uh, that gets – both of them gets me across the key number of 14. Um, and then maybe uh, just lay two and a half of Western Michigan. I'm not going to get su- – I got way too involved last night. I'm not going to get super involved tonight. Famous last words. Yeah, that uh, is, that's a kiss of death. But that, that's a lot of talk on three Maxion games. That's right. No, um, that's, hey, it's, you said it's 3M's Massacre Maxion. We got Masters. Hey, knock them out while we, we got them. That's, that's enjoy, right. Live, uh, Action Network came out with a video of like what, Ma- what Maxion meant to them, and I was like, man, it's just like before Maxion – I'd spend time with my family and do stuff around the house, but here I am watching <laughs> watching awesome, gross football at the exact same time. Watching multiple twenty kicker. Anyway, yeah, so yeah. we're we're so, well. That should be that should be. Hey, man, it's it's any actions during midweek is is fun action, especially when you're winning. So I hate that a uh, quick soccer break. I hate that soccer went on international break. I'd been rolling Champions League and EPL, so. I uh, had the hot hand, and that's as sure as the world they go on break. So I'll definitely, I'll definitely cool off here. Sure as the world. So, but hey, good news though, it's Masters weekend. Uh, I know we've got you've got a, a ton of ton of Masters talk. Uh, you're actually going to carry this more than I will. I gave you my max segment. I think you'll carry the Masters here. I'll give you uh, my quick two cents. Oh, it'll be interesting to see with like we talked about earlier. The Masters is always the same time every single year. Um, and I know guys, they kind of work their schedule around the Masters and what time of year and other tournaments, this, that, and the other. Um, it'll be interesting to see how guys handle it this week, in my, my opinion, just because uh, different time of year. Um, I don't know if the – I doubt the weather. I mean, it's, it's southeast, so the weather down here is just is crummy all the time. Who the hell knows what you get in November. It's probably going to be humid and just sure as the world. It's not going to be as, as – uh, I can call it fresh, whatever you want to call it in springtime, but it's still going to be kind of that weirdish November weather where it's like 
yeah, it's it's freaking blizzard up in Montana, but down here in the south, it's 75 and sunny. So it, I don't think weather's going to be an issue. But I wonder if timing's going to be an issue with golfers as well as crowd. And I think that's that's one of the things. If you look at the Masters crowds over the past few years, especially last year with Tiger, they were crazy. It was it was so many people trying to witness what he did last year, and it'll be interesting to see how guys respond. And, and this is my opinion with there being less crowd, less distraction, and how if that has any effect on uh, if guys can feed off that, catch momentum. And we've seen it in different sporting events where it's whether it's football, basketball, any of that stuff where momentum is such a big thing. And I'm sure it plays a little bit of a role in golf. And if that's going to have any impact on how guys handle the course, uh, how guys make, if you make a big putt um, and you can't really go off the crowd noise, this, that, and the other. Um, Will they continue that momentum in the next hole? And if uh, someone gets up to an early lead or they fall apart, anything like that, what will the crowd, no surroundings, no cheers, nothing like that, in Augusta have an effect on anybody's play? Yeah, I think I think that is definitely one thing to take into account. Uh, you know, there are guys like Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy who have said, hey, since we came back, man, it's kind of hard to – it's kind of hard to psych myself up after a bogey or, you know, like you mentioned, like, hey, I made a birdie, let's keep it going without the crowd there. But on the flip side, there are guys who have openly said, Bubba Watson being the loudest of these, like, he struggles with crowds, you know, and crowds struggle with Bubba because they give him a hard-ass yeah. time. And he yells at him and tells Ted to, you know, tell them to shut their ass up and <laughs> shut their phones off. And then some guy yells mashed potatoes or whatever. So, I mean, you know, there is uh, – there's definitely – like a play on the crowd, right? Uh, you mentioned weather. I think that weather, it's interesting. It's actually going to be warmer this week than it has been on average over the last 10 years in April. So I don't think that, that the temperature is going to be a thing. It is going to be wet. So uh, there, uh, we're both here in the southeast. I'm closer to Augusta than you are. But um, a lot of rain moving through this tropical storm or whatever is going to be the case. There's going to be a lot of rain. The forecast is showing rain Wednesday, Thursday, Friday right now, hopefully – drying out by the weekend but that may bring some wind as the rain moves out as we all know that that can happen and and obviously a windy augusta weekend amen corner which direction is the wind blowing on 12 this is like six to midnight territory for me so um you know the the weather i think is definitely going to be a factor in that it's going to be wet the interesting discussion on the wet augusta is that one they you know they have this thing so rigged up they can dry the whole course out and like three hours so it shouldn't be that big of a deal overnight but as far as like if it's wet Thursday and Friday when they're playing everybody I hear talking about oh you know these guys it's going to definitely favor the long hitters because the ball's not going to roll out in the fairway and yada yada whatever but I don't know I kind of think the opposite and and there is some data that shows that when golf courses are wet for these guys it actually helps the guys who short knock it a little bit because the difference in hitting a five iron and hitting an eight iron into the green is the amount of spin you're able to put on the ball. But if the green is wet, then theoretically these, these guys, as good as they are, should be able to stop a five iron on a soft green just as well or better than they can an eight iron. And in some cases it may actually be easier because you don't have to take spin off because a lot of these guys are imparting a lot of spin on the ball. So those are kind of factors to take into account. Um, the interesting thing that, that about the Masters is this. If you want to talk about strictly picking a winner and your odds, right, this is actually theoretically the easiest of the whole year because 
it's the smallest field of all the masters. They only let 92 people in. They've actually said they're going to move the cut to 50 this year, which can, can hurt you a little bit if your guy doesn't make the weekend for top tens and twenties. Um, but what you can do at the masters is a couple things to narrow it down. Okay. So there's only been one guy, Fuzzy Zeller, 1979 is the only first timer ever to win the masters. They don't let you bring these green reading books that I think have been a game changer on how well these guys play courses the first time with all the percentages and shit. So a lot of these guys have no notes. They play two practice rounds, three practice rounds, and then they're out there versus guys who've been playing there for 10 years. Um, so I think you can pretty well eliminate the first timers. If you look at the guys in the first timers who you maybe want to make a play on in some matchups or top five and tens, I think Matthew Wolf, Scotty Scheffler, and JT Poston are the three first timers I see uh, who would be nice picks out of that. But realistically, let's eliminate those from the win bets. Uh, you also have the old man crowd of the former winners who get invited back every year. Sandy Lyle, Larry Mize, Olathebel, BJ Singh, those guys who realistically don't have a shot to win. So you can take those guys off the table. And then there was another interesting article I found uh, where they talk about, you know, it's going to be windy. And so there's guys who don't play well in the wind or guys that don't hit it long enough historically to win. Um, and so there's a big chunk of those guys you can take out. And without going through the whole thing, basically – I think realistically that there is like 15 or 20 guys. This article I found on Golf WRX talks about there's 21 guys statistically who can win the Masters, right? And so out of those guys, I tried to pick four or five that I think have a shot to win the Masters with a realistic number that I like, okay? So with that being said, uh, I'm openly not going to play the single digit or kind of like 10, 15, 20 to 1 guys early in the week just because I don't like that number well enough. Um, so some of these guys, I'm actually going to wait and just hope they play crappy in the first round and I get a better number on them, and then I'll be looking to play them live, okay? So that includes John Rahm. That includes Justin Thomas, who actually kind of is my sneaky favorite to pick the tournament. Um, and uh, that also includes Dustin Johnson. Uh, so if any one of those guys has a bad round, I'm going to be jumping on them to win. Uh, that's a little bit of a risky strategy, but – that's the strategy I'm sticking with. That moved out of the way. The guys that it has opened up for my win bets are these. Tony Finau. He has only played eight rounds at Augusta. Historic, you know, famously the year he dislocated his ankle on the par three and then still shot 66 on Sunday. Um, he plays well here. I like Tony Finau. He's long enough. He's got a great wedge game. I like Tony Finau. Uh, Bubba. Obviously won here twice. I love Bubba. He's been in great form. He said he does well without the crowds. Um, he's creative. I think the weather shouldn't bother him much. He's in good shape. I like Bubba. Um, another one I really like is Ricky Fowler. I know he's been in terrible form recently, but this is a guy who is top finished in the top five at the Masters two or three times. He loves it here. You can get him at 70 to one some spots. I got him at 68 to one. Jordan Speed is another one who, again, has you can get him for some places around 80 to one. I think he's dropping as people recognize uh, he is definitely a horse for the course. Obviously has won the Masters before. He always seems to kind of get right here. And then another guy who I really like this week is Adam Scott, another former winner sitting around 65 to one, uh, and Justin Rose. So if you had to nail me down and go, who are the four win bets you like the most? I'd say probably Tony Finau, Bubba Watson, uh, Justin Rose, and Adam Scott. And again, some of these other guys, Justin Thomas, DJ, uh, I'm going to be looking for them live. Uh, if you want some props, uh, looking at like top 10, top 20 bets, things like that. Um, a guy I really like that uh, my boy MJG turned me on to 
Uh, Corey Connors, guy out of Canada. He's played here a couple times. Statistically, he fits the bill of a guy who can win here. He is 225 to 1 to win the tournament right now. You can get him at like 35 to 1 to 15 to 1 in the top five and top 10 props. Uh, put a little dust on Corey Connors uh, to finish top 10. Also, put a little money out there on Ricky Fowler and Jordan Spieth uh, to finish top 10. Also, top five uh, round one. Uh, and then threw a little money out on Ricky Fowler and Jordan Spieth as first round leader. Um, Another guy, if you're looking at some real long shots to win the tournament that may be worth taking a look at, Paul Casey at 80-1. to 1. He always plays well here. Um, and then uh, I threw a little dust on a possible win bet for Corey Connors just because I didn't want to miss out on him. Um, and, and that's pretty much it. So, uh, And then obviously, let me go no further by saying this. The guy who I will bet in every major and pretty much every tournament until he wins is Xander Shoffley. Uh, I, I think Xander Shoffley is an automatic money on a, if you want to take a top 10 bet. If you want one bet this week, bet Xander Shoffley top 10. Um, but I got him at 16 to 1. Obviously, I'm not going to lay the lumber on a win bet. doesn't really make sense. I did lay the lumber on him top 10. Um, but I think that uh, I think that Xander's got a realistic shot to kind of break the seal here. Um, so I'm rambling on about the Masters. So I'm going to wrap it up by saying this. Everybody's talking all this shit about Bryson DeChambeau. He's going to break the course. He's going to bash it 400 yards. He's going to use a 58-inch driver, whatever the case. Here's my take on Bryson and Augusta. Uh, he does not have a great record at Augusta. Uh, the best he played there, I think, actually, was the year he won the U.S. Amateur and got that invite. Um, he's kind of struggled here the past couple years. Uh, he's got this new tactic where he's going to bomb it into the 14th fairway on 13. He's going to play from the first fairway on number nine. He's going to do all this different stuff, and that's great. Um, but here's what I'll tell you about Bryson. If you dig into the numbers, for this season, since the Tour Championship, inside of 100 yards, he is 200 in strokes gained, right? There are guys who, like, I think – play for cigarettes in at clubs in Kansas who were ranked ahead of Bryson DeChambeau on the strokes gained uh, inside of 100 yards. So if his whole strategy is to hit it as far as he can and then hit a sand wedge or hit a gap wedge into all these greens, that's great. But realistically, if you say to me, hey, would you rather have Tony Finau hitting a seven iron or Bryson DeChambeau hitting a sand wedge at Augusta? I think I'd rather have brought Tony Finau or Justin Thomas hitting a seven iron, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, these guys are so accurate. And then I think the other part that people don't take into account around Augusta is the the chipping, the kind of like little runoff areas, the being able to hit these little creative shots. I don't think by any means that Bryson is bad at that stuff, but I don't think that he has a history at this course of being good enough at that stuff, like I say, a Jordan Spieth or Ricky Fowler who have been there and done it. I, it's just too much for me to be laying eight to one um, and and to think that he's going to go out here and dominate this golf course. The disclaimer is, with all that being said, you know, we talked about it in the grill it or chill it. Is he going to – is the hype going to be worth it? I think the hype is going to be worth it because I think he's going to absolutely bomb. So, if we're <laughs> dropping a bomb on the Doc and the Law podcast, I took Bryson at eight to one to miss the cut. Nice. Um, so, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work out. He may win the tournament. He may win it by ten strokes. It may work. That's great. Um, but the way I'm capping it, I just think that he's going to try – to do something to break Augusta National. And I think if you look at Molinari last year on 12, if you look at the history of Augusta National, it's going to break you before you break it. And yeah. so I trust the golf course more than I trust Bryson. 
Um, and so that's kind of my story. That's what I'm sticking to. If you want to hammer me down on one guy to win the tournament, I'm probably going to pick Justin Thomas. Uh, and then obviously Xander Shoffley. If you want one prop bet, I'd say uh, Xander Shoffley top 10 or Corey Connors top 20. Um, and then if you say uh, what's the best bet of the whole entire tournament, I'd say the matchup, you can get uh, Tiger at, uh, I think, $1.40 right now, tournament matchup over Phil, and I don't think Phil's going to make the cut. So uh, that's Masters Talk, and uh, hopefully we can get out there, have a great weekend, and make some dust. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, I think it'll be uh, interesting to see. We talked about this. We talked about vasectomies a while back. (laughs) (laughs) You think anybody takes off – Thursday and Friday for this? Or you think it's just one of those things you put on the background at work and then uh, roll with it and then get home and try to catch the tail end? That's a, that's a great uh, question. I I think the NCAA tournament is one you got to be at home for. I think that's the one where you want to be sitting on an ice pack, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like on the couch and having your wife bring you pizza because it's yes. like, like, you know, when those four games are going on at one time, it's absolutely electric. Yeah. And it's like you just don't want to even look away from the TV screen. Yeah. Uh, I think the Masters is a little bit different because it's like it's like the classic. You walk into a college classroom and there's 300 people, and if you stand in the back of the room, 200 screens are on the Masters because <laughs> you can kind of like you can kind of like do other stuff and watch yeah. the Masters. Uh, so I think this is probably one where people are just not productive at work, uh, like our boy Dave. I know yeah. he's not going to be doing shit Thursday nope. and Friday while all the uh, car. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think that uh, I think that the Masters is one that you can probably get away with with sneaking it in at work. Um, but like we said, if you're in doubt and you're afraid you're going to lose your job, uh, just get your boys clipped and uh, you get 48 hours to sit at home and watch the Masters, and your wife feels go. bad for you. And there you go. You know, you, you score some points. And then tell uh, tell your boss in March. Oh, it actually didn't take, so we got to go back and do it again. <laughs> <laughs> or as, as Doctor Phil famously said, I've had a vasectomy and I've had it reversed. So you know. You can have a vasectomy done again. Uh, so, how, how, say, Doc, how uh, if I have a vasectomy and then I have it reversed, how long before I can have a vasectomy again? If it's one of those things like I have a vasectomy <laughs> and then I get it reversed in January, but then I'm like back in March, I'm like, uh, actually, one of those does, so I'll go back. <laughs> what if he did the left? What if he did the left for the Masters and the right for the NCAA tournament? <laughs> so, hey, boss, just like, hey, it boss, was just sorry. too much. It was sorry, too boss. much to do both at the same yeah, time. Yeah, boss, sorry. It was, it was too much emotionally to do both at the same time, so I did one. I broke it up a little bit. I figured at least this way, the doc had said we'd be off for like uh, four days with a vasectomy, but actually just two days. So I'm doing it on Thursday morning, and then I probably have to get another one done. I think it's like roughly five months down the road. So towards towards like mid-March, I'll, I'll make sure once I, once I – it's like same time NCAA March Madness schedule comes out. I'll make sure that gets put on the doc, the gets put on the books here soon. So, so th- if, if you're a urologist and you're listening by any chance, mil- billion-dollar idea – Offer staged vasectomies where oh, you do the, the left on the weekend of March Madness and the right on the weekend of the Masters. I, there, you People would be flying to what? see you to have their vasectomy done. <laughs> Publish one research paper that shows that there's better outcomes if you stage it, and we will all come get our vasectomies with yes. you. We'll put the OBs out of business because there will be no more tubules. Every guy will be wanting a vasectomy from you. So, Dr. Urologist, if you're listening, we just gave you a billion-dollar business plan. And then, and then make sure you have to have yearly checkups at the exact same weekend every year. <laughs> every year. And those checkups are actually more extensive where you have to actually take two, two days off after you. Yeah, and, and your clinic just happens to be in the sports book at Circa. <laughs> <laughs>
now we're getting somewhere. Uh, oh, man. Well, my man, it was a good good midweek pod. Uh, hopefully, we can get some winners here with the MAC and the Masters. Uh, hopefully, we don't get any more cancellations for the college football slate this weekend. It's already looking slim. I think the biggest matchup of the weekend is uh, Michigan-Wisconsin, which is not saying a whole lot. But we'll dive into the what's left uh, here towards the end of the week. Get us a, a college football slash NFL pod. If you got anything else to add uh, for the people here uh, before we get ready to take on Augusta National. No, I think that uh, I think it should be a great weekend. I think even with the uh, you know, hopefully we'll have a college football pod coming out here in the next day or two. But uh, even with the games getting canceled, it still should be a solid lineup. And uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully the Masters we're able to get it all in with the weather and uh, everything goes well. And um, we see Xander finally pull one out. It'll be good to see. So let's That's get it done. You got that right, my man. And. Uh, as we celebrate, last week was National Sandwich Day, uh, but I think for us, every day is Sandwich Day. Uh, like we Amen. say at the end of the pod, uh, life's like a sandwich. No matter which way you stack it, the bread comes first. Doctor, my eyes have seen the years And the slow parade of fears without crying Now I want to understand I have done all that I could To see the evil and the good Without hiding You must help me if you can Doctor, my eyes Tell me what is wrong Was I unwise To leave them open for so Never noticed them until I got this feeling that it's later than it seems. Doctor, my eyes.